Hello, I'm Chase Blasick, an Asia-Pacific analyst at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview. Subscribe today at stratfor.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're focused on Russia's continued war against Ukraine. Russia has pulled out of northern cities and is concentrating on the southeastern part of Ukraine. But what is being reported about what Russia left behind in the north has the international community shouting war crimes. Matthew Orr is here to talk about all of this. He's Rain's Eurasia analyst. Welcome back to the podcast, Matthew. Hi, Emily. It's a pleasure to be here. Can we start out with what's happening right now? Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, uh, Russia has withdrawn its units uh, from many parts of northern Ukraine, uh, and presumably those units will now be positioned for a renewed offensive uh, in the east of the, of the country. That offensive has not really materialized as quickly as, as some uh, anticipated. Um, but basically, many of those units that left northern Ukraine are still in Russia for kind of rest and refit, uh, and it's unclear exactly when this renewed Russian offensive in the east will commence. Uh, but uh, the goals of that offensive are, are rather clear. Uh, it's it, the, the Kremlin has kind of tuned its, its informational messaging in recent weeks to, to, to stress that it wants to secure uh, the rest of the Donbass region. So either they will attempt to uh, push the Ukrainian forces out of the Donbass or destroy them there. Or in a more ambitious attempt, they could uh, attempt to encircle them uh, before uh, destroying them and then attempting to seize more of eastern Ukraine, essentially uh, moving forward, uh, uh, or I should say westward, uh, to seize more of the country and further and further increase uh, its, its leverage for any negotiations. We've seen the reports of war crimes and other atrocities in Ukraine. U.S. President Biden has said that Russia's invasion of Ukraine amounts to a genocide. Of course, that's a significant escalation of the president's rhetoric and probably not completely on topic for U.S. foreign policy. But to what extent could these accusations affect the course of the war? Yeah, I think that these accusations, um, you know, they, they, they're not something that'll have uh, necessarily an immediate effect, but I think that they are still uh, notable. Obviously, you know, a lot of the, the, the world was very shocked by a lot of the war crimes evidence coming out of northern Ukraine, these, these parts of Ukraine that the, the Ukrainian army has uh, uh, retaken. Um, but obviously, the atrocities that we're seeing uh, might not necessarily cross uh, the threshold uh, for genocide, right? The definition of a, of a genocide is to deliberately destroy all of or part of a, a specific people based off of their culture, identity, things like that. Uh, and so as Biden himself and other administration officials uh, quickly noted, you know, they said, you know, we're going to let the, the legal system decide whether or not this truly is uh, a genocide, but the administration has it's made clear his position uh, on the matter. And that, that position is notable, right, because it could be part of an effort to justify more support for Ukraine. In the past, the previous dynamic was that the West has been very, you know, re- reluctant uh, with a lot of outward military support for Ukraine out of fears of provoking Russia. But, uh, you know, essentially the justification of preventing things like this could be uh, one of the factors pushing the West towards greater support for Ukraine. It's also interesting to note, though, that it's creating frictions within the West because 
uh, other leaders, uh, most notably French President Emmanuel Macron, has very specifically distanced himself uh, from the idea of, of calling this a genocide yet. So essentially, we have a phase where the, the U.S. president is kind of trying to rhetorically get out in front uh, of this issue. Um, it could be about essentially locking in um, a, a perception of what Russia's actions in Ukraine are to make this an element of U.S. policy that couldn't be reversed in the foreseeable future. Uh, the, the last thing I think it's important to say about this is that what, what we're seeing in, in northern Ukraine is horrific, but uh, possibly what is actually more genocidal just from an ex- objective standpoint is actually what's taking place in the south of the country, the, the part of the country that is under Russia's occupation. There, Russia is in these occupied areas, is going into schools and other institutions and basically telling the people that they are Russian and is forcibly deporting, removing people who claim that they're Ukrainian activists, other leaders, et cetera, officials. And it's really the actions there that we have so much less of a window into that possibly in an international court, such as the International Criminal Court, uh, could be even more evidence of genocide. Um, And I should say that the the International Criminal Court is already working closely uh, with the Ukrainian government and with multiple governments uh, on an investigation. And it seems like those investigative efforts are, are, are going to continue Matthew, at the same time, um, Ukraine President Zelensky is suggesting in different speeches um, that NATO needs to provide his country more support. I know that you mentioned that perhaps this talk of genocide could be a path towards that. But right now, could the West do more to support Ukraine? And is Western support for Ukraine staying strong or is it sort of letting up? It's a great question. I, I think in general, it's it's staying stronger than some people might have uh, thought it, it would. Um, obviously, as this war grinds on and on, uh, there's a danger that the world and the West in particular will become complacent and will kind of lose interest and will kind of say, you know, you know, making continued military support for Ukraine, a lot of which is essentially donations, right? It's 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 equipment that's being given to Ukraine free of charge. But as we get into this kind of new phase that we're entering, uh, Ukraine is very correctly worried about, you know, losing interest or, or this idea that uh, further investments in supporting Ukraine are, are, are not worth it. And so it, it's very important that these Western deliveries are continuing. Uh, and I think that, as I mentioned, Biden's you know, recent rhetoric could be part of that justification, particularly as Moscow gets bogged down and also wants to escalate, you know, the NATO alliance is putting itself kind of uh, at increasing danger as it gives Ukraine these weapons that it can actually be used to do significant damage to the Russian army. Uh, and so in terms of what additional uh, support that the West can give and is starting to give, I think we're seeing that with, with the U.S.'s latest package, where it's not just things like man-held uh, surface-to-air missiles or anti-tank weapons. Now we're looking at things like artillery systems, obviously new types of drones that were not previously given to Ukraine. The U.S. is looking at, you know, some of its its premier drones are it's considering selling to Ukraine. Also, I should also note that it, now, you know, there was a long talk about the fighter jets. Now it looks like those fighter jets um, are, are closer and closer to becoming a reality. And so as Western support stays strong, then the next question that comes up is, you know, when does Russia feel that it has to push back or deter or do more to try to stop this. And the, the Russians have already hinted at doing that. As we also start looking at this NATO escalation spiral, uh, it's going to be interesting to see 
you know, as both sides, both the West and Russia, feel out uh, what the, what their red lines are, because it's clear that, you know, with every week, these red lines are changing. So it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting month for sure uh, amid this renewed Russian offensive where Russia likely hopes that it can secure some kind of a victory by the May 9th victory parade uh, in Russia, which commemorates uh, its, its victory uh, in World War II. But at the same time, the West is, con- is continuing to provide critical weapons that can uh, potentially prevent a decisive victory for Russia. Well, thank you, Matthew. Quite clearly, there's a lot going on. Sure, thank you. Matthew Orr is Rain's Eurasia analyst. You can find his work in Rain Worldview, which offers global, objective geopolitical analysis and intelligence. Get a great deal when you subscribe today. Find out details at stratfor.com. That's stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue, and as always, thanks for listening. 